Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive or if you think like one and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of Xquadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve even more extraordinary results. Because no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Hi, welcome back. It's Davina Stanley here with Richard Medcalf again. So delighted to be bringing to you the next piece of Richard's new book, Making Time for Strategy. So today, Richard is keen to talk about mindset, how our thinking can keep us stuck in low-value activity. Hi, Richard. How are you? Yeah, hi, Dav. Uh, I'm really well, thank you. Um, looking forward to jumping into to this topic of mindset, right, which is so important when we want to think about freeing ourselves up. Absolutely. And it's a counterintuitive one in a way, but yet so incredibly obvious, isn't it? Because... When I think of my own, you know, making time for things that I want to do or whatever, I don't necessarily think about my mind. How did, um, how did this come about? Why is this such a high priority for you in, in thinking about making time for strategy? Yeah, so you're right. You know, sometimes people think, yeah, yeah, okay, mindset. Yeah, okay, let's get on to the real stuff. Okay. Uh, especially if you think, look, I'm already a senior leader, right? I'm beyond mindset issues. I know how to make things happen, right? I'm not, I'm not holding myself back. I'm, I'm, I'm out there. Um, however, mindset is so important. I'll give you perhaps two examples. The first one is um, a lot of leaders think they have ownership mindset. I take ownership. I take full responsibility, Right. I'm not one of these people that's deflecting and blaming other people in outside situations. I'm really owning things. And in many cases, that's true. That's how they're so senior in the organization. But when it comes to time, how many times have you heard people say, oh, it's just crazy busy right now. Like, I'm so overloaded. I haven't got time. Right. Saying things like I haven't got time. It's a classic example of, well, it's not my fault. It's just all these other things happening to me. It's a mindset issue. Right? Rather than saying, owning it, I'm perfectly busy and I have the ability to refocus my time where it matters, we come up with reasons why it's impossible for us right now. That's one example of mindset. Um, uh, the, yeah, the other one, I'll try to really show how that might land, is I was working uh, with a leader. I might have told this story before on the podcast, it's probably some previous episodes, but I think it's a great one. I was working with a leader who I was helping him deploy a whole number of transformation projects. He'd just been promoted to the C-suite. And he was, uh, he was saying, I'm struggling, Richard. I'm stuck in my email. I'm spending too much time there. I've got so many requests from the organization. I'm not getting enough time to really focus on these strategic projects. Uh, I need some tips. And of course, when people say, I need some tips, I always mentally push back because if they just need a tip from me, they're probably uh, paying me too much money for that, right? They, they didn't need more than a tip. Uh, they can Google the tip. Um, we dug into it and I said, well, look, you know, what's going on? Well, I said, well, for me to do my, um, I need to do my emails. Well, why? Well, because I need to be trustworthy and a team player. 
I don't want to be that guy who everyone's waiting on, uh, uh, you know, who's, who's, who's never replying to emails, who's not responsive. I, was like, oh, I get it. So tell me, your CEO, if he was in the room, what would he be asking you for? Oh, well, yeah, he wants me to deliver on these transformational projects. They're going to make a big difference. I got it. What about the investors? Well, yeah, I guess they really want it too because it's going to make a big difference on the bottom line. We're going to save some real costs here. What about the employees? What about the broader organization? Oh, yeah, well, they're desperate to have upgraded systems and processes. We're really archaic right now. They're really frustrated. So they'd love to have these projects too. Great. What about customers? Well, it's an internal project. They wouldn't really know, but I guess actually it will free up our team so that they can spend more time with customers and on the real business. Got it. So what are you telling me? I put to him, it's like all these people, all your stakeholders actually, actually want you to be doing these transformational projects. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So when you're in your inbox replying to all these low-level requests, you're actually being untrustworthy, unreliable, and not a team player because you're not doing what you're getting paid the big bucks for. And at that point, he was like, oh, I get it. Right? It was that mindset shift. Suddenly, earlier on, what was making him successful, what he was being asked to was to, be the, to respond uh, to all the executive requests coming in. In his new role, what he was really being asked to do was deliver these big ticket items. Yeah. And that was the mindset shift. That, at that point, he didn't need me to help him with his Gmail filters and his productivity suite because everything had changed for him. Absolutely. And it's part of that big shift, which is that shift from doing to leading. It's, it's another step in that journey, isn't it? Whereas if you're responding, are you actually leading or not? You know, you, you're really yeah. perhaps not in the way he ought to have been. So, no, that's that's fantastic. And um, I think you, you've had a few other sorts of stories that you've given me over time, and one of them speaks to being a perfectionist. And I, yeah, I like well, that. it's a different, a bit of a different type of mindset issue. But do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, well, I kind of first step back and say, uh, you know, in the book, in the whole mindset area, um, we dive into a whole number of different. Uh, mindset traps, ways of thinking that we unconsciously fall into that holds us back from making time for strategy. That's why I kind of deal with it in the book. I suppose today we can perhaps draw out perhaps three of those, which I find are pretty common. And perfectionism, you just said, that's a, that is a key one. Um, uh, the other two, I think we could look at are people-pleasing, um, which in a sense is what we just talked about. Actually, why don't we just close the loop on people-pleasing because that example I gave was an example of people-pleasing, right? And the distinction I want to make there is if you're people-pleasing, then you need to shift to serving stakeholders. So serving stakeholders, in that example, when my client thought about the broader stakeholders who were relying on him, the investors, the CEO, his colleagues, customers, you realize that to serve them the most would be to focus on on these big ticket items. When you're doing people pleasing, you're just listening to the loudest voice, the person in front of you right now, not the bigger picture. And so that, if you like, is a quite it's quite a helpful way. I think if you're people pleasing, if if you can't say no, you got to realize every time you know, you're saying yes to something, you're actually saying no to some unseen stakeholder that you're not thinking about right now. So people pleasing, you know, one of the one of the big three, I would say. Um, 
Um, the second one you just re- mentioned is perfectionism. And perfectionism, I think, rears its head in various ways. Some people really do feel, yeah, I feel really, really perfectionist. Like, you know, I, I, that is a real issue for me. Some people, it's a bit more insidious. It's like, well, I'm just the best person for this role, you know, for this, this activity. Or, you know, um, I just need to like, be in control on this. I, this, you know, because because again, the self identity is often I'm a safe pair of hands. I've been I've uh, I've been promoted to the organisation because I keep my promises. I deliver at a high quality. And the idea of perhaps letting go of some of those things, doing it a bit less well, or giving it to my team and some risks that might come out of that. That's speaking to my self identity. But it's a real issue. What I like to say um, to um, well, I remember saying to one of my clients, uh, which really woke him up, was I think again he was saying, "I'm the only one in my company who can do these things and these things right now, and uh, it's really hard to let go of that." And I, and I listened to the processes and systems he was talking about. And I said, "Well, yeah, I get it, but at this point, you being the high-performing janitor." He said, "What do you mean?" <laughs> he said, well, what do you mean? I was like, "Well, you're there. You know, you, you've got your mop and your bucket, and you're like really polishing that floor tile." You know, down, you know, in the entrance lobby, it's really, really shiny. You could probably eat your breakfast off of it. Um, but in the meantime, there's a whole business to run, right? There's projects, there's strategy to think about. There's there's a team to develop. And, you know, there you are. You're really, really proud of this floor tile that's super, super shiny and smells of lemon fresh or whatever. But, um, but it's not the highest use of your time. It's your comfort zone. You know how to do that. And so the idea of really over-indexing in an activity which is not the most important use of your time, it's so common. I often say normally most organizations, everybody's working one level down from where they should be. A little bit in their comfort zone, a little bit in repetition, not learning at the rate they could be learning. And it's kind of comfortable there, but it is being the high-performing janitor. And so um, I I want to ask people, What's it going to take just to shift out so you feel a bit nervous? You feel that you're not quite sure. I like to say, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing badly. Um, <laughs> There's some truth in that too. Because it's worth doing. Like, you need a strategy and you haven't got one. Well, do a bad strategy and you'll work, boom, boom, it from there, right? If you need to develop your team and you're not really doing much of it, well, do a shitty job in developing your team and then you'll start to become a better person that's developing your team you'll figure out what needs to happen so don't be the high-performing janitor yes yes and i'm seeing in the first two examples you've given there very a, a lot about pulling people out of that comfort zone and having an appropriate balance of being uncomfortable versus comfortable i assume everybody needs a little bit of comfort but your suggestion is particularly as you get further up the chain i think that People need to be willing, which is a mindset issue, to be uncomfortable and be stretched. Hi, this is Richard. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. This is just a quick interlude to tell you about my book, Making Time for Strategy, which is being released in January 2023. It deals with perhaps the number one challenge I've come across in my coaching work with top executives, how to get out of the weeds of operations and make time for the high-impact strategic work that will lead to breakthrough results. If you're serious about multiplying your impact, you do need to elevate your use of time. So I highly recommend that you head over to makingtimeforstrategy.com 
where you can find out more about the book and download some free chapters. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. I think what happens is stakes rise as we get further up. And so part of it starts to get more defensive. Like, I've got more to prove now. Like, this is why people promoted me, because I'm good at this. And therefore, now I need to do this even more because I'm more senior. I need to, like, work faster, do it even more. And that's why we're all overloaded, because we're kind of relying on that success formula. But now we've got more and more responsibilities. So we need to kind of work harder and harder using the same little formula we've developed rather than risking the stretch. And so a lot of this is about that deeper inner work. It's why why I, I wrote the book. It's why it's not just a tactical issue. There's some tactical components. We've covered that. But the deeper issue is around fear versus contribution. It's about getting out of our own way uh, and actually doing it despite the the slight sense of uh, and discomfort. Comfort. And, and sort of carrying that, that thread through of discomfort, that idea of uh, not being busy sometimes and allowing yourself times to think, you know, not being super busy and overproductive. Yes. Is, is also really key. I think that's another mindset piece to think about, isn't it? Yeah, I- exactly. And so, and so the third one that I like to focus on, so we've got perfectionism and we've got people-pleasing we've looked at. The third one, third mindset challenge that stops people making time for strategy is what I call overproductivity. And this shows up in various ways. Um, overproductivity. I think I suffer from this. You know, I, this is one that I have to be careful about, um, which is the risk of adding too much value or being too responsive. So actually getting things done, diving into things, knocking things off our to-do list, uh, pushing things forward, that gives us a dopamine hit, right? That gets us feeling good. Uh, we feel productive. Um, I mean, I laugh sometimes. My wife says sometimes, oh, you know, at the end of a weekend, oh, we had a really productive weekend. And I'm going, you know what? I'm not sure what my weekend is to be productive, right? Sometimes, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but there is but there is a sense in which we knock things off our list, right? Um, and and so often when we have that, where we're kind of driven, we, we want to be going places, we're a bit restless, we're, we're goal-focused, that can create a few things, right? The first thing is that whenever people bring a team, they bring ideas to us, we improve those ideas and we think we're adding value because we're getting into our genius zone, we're great problem solvers, we're strategic, we can see the bigger picture. And so we we jump in on their tasks. We kind of take what they've got and we make it better and not realizing that we're actually making it ours and it's no longer theirs because we... You know, we've redecorated the room that they've just painted or <laughs> whatever. It's no longer their room, it's our room um, because we've done it with our style. And so although we feel we've made it better, we've actually reduced ownership, which is one whole issue. And the other one is being overly responsive. So people think, you know, I need to be on Slack all the time. I need to be on my messaging. I need to be replying to emails. I need to be in those chats. Uh, like I've got messages pinging all the time. Um the issue is that's like a needle that's waving rapidly, right? So much noise, possible to focus. People think though, that I'm being, I'm being hyper responsive. That's what people expect from me. 
Perhaps they do, but put it another way. If I was to, if I was to try to contact the president of the United States, the CEO of your company, you know, the chairman, uh, 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 important influencer, right? Would I expect them to be able to just ping them quickly, get an immediate response, get them to drop everything and, and, and focus on me? No, they're important people. They're working on big things. I'm not sure I'd want the, the prime minister or the president of my country to drop what they were doing and reply to a message that I send them. I, I hope they've got bigger, perhaps more strategic things that they need to put their attention on. And so this sense of being overly responsive is actually, I mean, partially around our own sense of uh, self-worth. You're actually an important person. You've got projects and goals to deliver. You've got strategies to think about. You've got things you need to invest in. Give yourself the time. The company will not fall apart if you're not available for a couple of hours until you check back in with uh, to your email or your messages. And yet so many people, they don't do that. And uh, and instead, they, they get the buzz. They get the buzz of, of solving problems, replying to quick messages but again it's the easy stuff it's the easy yes. stuff it's not it's not the important stuff and it, it's temporarily satisfying but not really rewarding in the true sense of really achieving their bigger goals is it so yeah you know, having looked at those three things then the perfectionism the people pleasing and the overproductivity, what do you recommend people do well there's plenty of ideas in the book let me pull out a couple um the first one is to use the WWXD method. And we did a whole discussion on that uh, several seasons ago, if you remember, Dad. But WWXD is basically, to keep it really, really simple now, it's, 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 uh, it's a methodology I explain in the book. Um, but fundamentally, it's asking, what would X do? And X is your super leader. So imagine somebody comes in, takes over your role, and absolutely nails it. Absolutely nails it. They create, they do all the things you dreamed of doing that you talked about your team are doing. They set the strategy. They break into new accounts. They um, roll out the platform faster than ever, whatever it is. Then what, what do they do? How do they, where do they spend their time? Who were they? Like, how do they conduct themselves? How do they operate in meetings? How do, how do they, where do they focus? All these things are actually just spending five minutes just writing out, like, what would this person do? Looking at that list and make that your charter. Really, really powerful mm -hmm. and, um, and really simple. Like that. And, and um, I said it in a workshop um, just to get people warmed up in this whole idea. And for many people, that was like, oh, I've got it. This is it. This is my roadmap. Um, the, the second one is, is then to turn that into a, a to-be list. So we have our to-do list. We need a to-be list. And again, there's various tools in the book I talk about, but the idea is just to boil it down into a couple of key words that you want to stick on your computer screen or, or keep somewhere really, really visible. So that as you go into a particular situation, perhaps it's a call with your team, perhaps an executive presentation, perhaps it's at the start of your day when you're organizing your day ahead, you look at that and you use it as the filter. Um, I'll give you an example uh, why a to-be list is so important. Um, as a leader, you might just, you know, if you decide that, you know, your typical to be list is where, you know, I, I want to be, um, uh, you know, reliable, um, um, 
hands-on and uh, supportive or something, right? There's lots of good things there, but that might cause you to behave in a certain set of behaviors. Perhaps being too hands-on, getting into all the details. Whereas if you said, you know what, I want to be, uh, you know, today I want to be empowering, I want to be inspirational, um, and I want to be big picture, for example. Those aren't necessarily the right words for everyone, for every time, but just as an example, how you would show up with those two sets of adjectives as your guiding thought are quite different. And just to be intentional, to choose that at the start of your day, uh, helps you kind of change tram lines, go in a different direction. Yeah, and I think that notion of having three quite simple things, just to remind you, particularly as you're transitioning, as you're stepping up, would be, I can imagine that being very useful. And you, you've got me thinking about who would my X be, you know, what would WWX mm. be? And then thinking about personifying that to thinking about, you know, what is that person like to not just what do they do, but what are they like? Mm. And then helping using that as a bit of a guide. So, no, I really, really like that. So that's a, a lot of things to think about in terms of mindset, but very practical things that people can think about to shift you know, for that M part of the time acronym, the, the tactics, influence, mindset. And then we have E for environment coming next, don't we? So um, I think that's been a really great discussion around the mindset piece and um, really look forward to work talking with you some more about the next one around environment. So, yeah, yeah, uh, I think, Sorry, interrupting there, Dad. But yeah, I was just going to say, um, yeah, environment's a really interesting one because what we do there is we shift from looking purely almost about yourself as your leader to looking about how do you shift the corporate culture, your team culture, and the bigger picture, which is really important. A lot of books focus on, you know, your own personal productivity, but in an organization, you have the rest of your team to think about. So we'll get on to that. And perhaps just before we go, a final reminder that uh, if you're interested in checking out more about the book, you can go to makingtimeforstrategy.com. Um, there you'll kind of find out about the book. There's also a little um, questionnaire you can take to get kind of get your score um, uh, where you are on the journey and also where the key focus area is for you. So that could be a useful resource for people. But otherwise, let's uh, talk next time. Look forward to it. Okay, bye for now. Thanks, Dad. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.